Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Thank you for tuning in to A Greater Story with Sam Collier. We're calling this a radio podcast, a cool hybrid of talk radio and music. Real leaders, real talk, incredible stories. Thanks so much for tuning in to A Greater Story with Sam Collier. My name's Sam Collier, and I am in London right now with... I don't really, I don't know what to say about this man. I mean, he... I didn't know what to say about (laughs) you. (laughs) He is incredible. If you Google him, Google will say that he's a South African banker that's out of London. But what I would add to it is he's a really successful, successful, successful South African banker. He's done some of the largest deals in, I mean, in the world. But also on the flip side of that, he's an author. He has three books. Know your why. I got to show it to you. God at Work and strange kingdom. You want to make sure that you get these. He's a theologian. He's a prophet, many will say. Nah, they were all wrong. No, they were wrong. <laughs> but he's just an amazing man of God that's doing some incredible things, which we're going to get into today. Ken Costa is in the building. How you doing? Man? Well, it's so good to see you. Time We've only met on a few occasions. Yes, yes. One in a snowstorm in Colorado <laughs> and here in London, England, as right. you recall it, as, as if there's another London. <laughs> right, right. Well, listen, we kick off this show every time with the song. What's one of your favorite songs right now? Well, I, I'm a groupie for Hillsong United. You are, United. you are, aren't you? Someone told me that. My great friends uh, are there and... And there's an amazing song called The Song of Ascent, The Highlands, mm. on the latest People album, in which it talks about God being with you in the highlands, mm. but also in the heartache. That's right. And he will walk you through to the other side. Mm. And that is a profound depth. And uh, Joel Houston and Ben Hastings, who wrote that song, obviously have walked that path. And I like to listen to songs where people have walked a path mm. rather than just making some music which you can get anywhere. Right. At the moment, that's my favorite. Well, Ken, let's throw to that and we'll be back. Oh, how high would I climb mountains if the mountains were you high? Oh, how far I'd scale the valleys if you the other side Oh how long have I chased rivers from lonely seas to where they rise against the rush of grace descending from the source of its supply Cause in the you and my 
So Ken, you said it. We were in Colorado. I got stuck. You didn't get stuck in Colorado, did you? Get stuck? I got stuck in there. It was a snowstorm. I know. And I was there for like three days. Well, I was there for two days, <laughs> stuck in a snowstorm <laughs> with uh, a four-wheel vehicle, thank God for that. Yes, yes. Traveling. I mean, it was the perfect storm. It That's was a right. tornado and a snowstorm. Yeah. And I was convinced that the airport was going to stay open just for the British Airways flight. <laughs> and all the American flights had been cancelled. Right, right, right. And, and we traveled for about four hours and wow. traveled one mile. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was amazing about that trip for me is... There was a moment where, where you were leading all of us through some devotion. Yeah, and, I remember. And I, there was a moment that the Spirit of God yeah. was so thick in the room yeah. from this atmosphere that you had cultivated. Yeah. I said, who is this man? Yeah. <laughs> Until you interrupted me and I said, who is that man? <laughs> I just want a little bit of the glory. I mean, it was amazing. But can you have, um, you, you've changed London you have changed um, and impacted Christianity in a way like never before. You used to run Alpha. I mean, you've done, you, you've made millions and billions and, and closed deals. And I mean, you grew up in South Africa, but you're here. I mean, who who are you? We, we say around here that when your story connects to God's story, it leads to a greater story. So we try to have people on the show that are living in their greater story, and that's you. Take me from little Ken. Uh, up to Ken Costa. And don't, don't leave out a detail because you've sat with people like the Pope and Nelson Mandela. And I mean, give it to us, please. You're too kind. Um, and uh, I don't know that I've had anything like the impact that you think I have, but I like hearing it. <laughs> and another deluded friend. Right. <laughs> so I grew up in South Africa, a little farm boy. Um, went to do my schooling there, but always from the in the earliest stages, um, the apartheid regime was a big fascist regime in the country and yeah. separated black people from white people. And in my spirit, I just knew that this was not the right thing. Grew up in a in a in a nominally Catholic family, mm-hmm. um, and I just had this deep sense of injustice. Mm. And so I grew up in university in South Africa. Uh, at the time, then I was a young Marxist mm. because I believed that only through the way in which Marx would change the the whole system could this 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 horrible mm. system be changed. Um, and God didn't feature much because the apartheid system was being justified by mm. by the uh, the theologians at the time, which was horrible. Yeah. Uh, and I had some great friends there, including um, Steve Biko, who was perhaps the greatest wow. leader after Mandela until they murdered him. Mm. And then, you know, they locked up all my friends, um, <laughs> and my father said, come to England to study. So <laughs> I went, I wow. came across to England, I came to uh, Cambridge University, where I met some of my great friends, like Nicky Gumbel, who mm-hmm. founded the Alpha Course, the Bible in one year. Right. And then after, while I was at university, faith came alive. Mm. Uh, and it came alive, and I realized that his life was, you know, he, he, Marx might have had a view on how to uh, deal with economics. I, I don't actually believe that anymore, but I was an enthusiastic <laughs> student at yeah. the time. But he couldn't deal with the the captivity of the human heart. There mm. wasn't a freedom, but that only only the cross of Jesus Christ could change. And so I came to faith in Jesus Christ, it's filled with the Spirit of God, mm. um, and 
then said to myself, do you know what? Is this real? Or have I just met some very nice friends <laughs> that I want to hang with? Right. And so I studied theology wow. for a year in Cambridge University, which is one of the great sort of theological uh, centres, and decided, you know what? It makes rational sense. Mm. It is not irrational, but it's non-rational faith. Mm. If faith were knowledge, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be faith. Mm-hmm. So, uh, mm-hmm. And then thereafter... I started and became a banker, where I've been for the last 40 years and still am wow. a banker um, in, uh, in, in, the, in the tough world of finance. Mm. But, you know, people often say to me, well, how can you be a banker? How can you be in finance? It's competitive, it's harsh, it's cutthroat. Yeah. Well, the poor don't have a monopoly of heaven. You know? <laughs> the people in heaven are the people who put their trust in Jesus Christ. Mm. Wherever you are, That's he's right. a universal God. Mm-hmm. And when they say, isn't it, um, uh, in, uh, you know, isn't it difficult being a banker? And the answer is, uh, no, it's not difficult being in the finance world. It's just what Jesus said mm. when asked about the rich man. It's impossible. Wow. And unless you have the Spirit of God with you each day, That's right. then you, know, you will not understand that your workstation, my workstation, mm. is my worship station. <whistles> That's where I worship God. He wants me to be a good banker, not a pastor. Mm. Or a personality like you. <laughs> I've got to work for my living. <laughs> but he calls us each differently, wherever you are. Mm. Whether you're a school teacher or a computer programmer, whether you're a pastor, whether you are driving a truck or selling cars, whatever it is, he's called you to that place. And that was a great revelation for me. There's no mm. sacred and secular mm. uh, division in that. And so I, I grew up and became a banker, and you kind enough to say that um, I did reasonably well. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you did more than reasonably well. And what I'd love to do for just a second is pull the curtain back a little bit. Because I want to know, and I'm sure people want to know, how do you go from Cambridge and being this quote-unquote modest banker, which I don't think that's the case, to sitting with Nelson Mandela and the Pope and, and, and... Parliament, and I mean, even right now, you are helping to shape a lot, a lot of the world. Uh, how, how, how does that happen? How did that happen? Well, you know, I would say this, wouldn't I? Because I, I do believe, um, hence writing the book that you you showed on on knowing your why, that each one of us has a story, and it is what I call a core story. It is like a computer program. Hmm. Um, the operating system in a computer, you don't see it, but mm-hmm. if the operating system weren't there, it couldn't work. Yeah. So unless you have a core story, yeah. and a core story tells me that within each one of us, given by the Spirit of God, and that's the important piece, there is a, a story waiting to get out, an idea waiting to be expressed, mm. hope waiting to be fulfilled, mm. a destiny waiting to be unfolded, <laughs> and I have a sense. Yes. Do you think I'm preaching all right? I love yeah. it. I almost gave you off it right now. I just, here, take, take a couple of dollars. There's a sense in which God, you know, is, is his light. He's with us. Mm. You know, he's not some heavy you know, do this, don't do this kind of God. That's right. And so I sense that there is a calling and a richness in my life because I'm, I just love people. I hmm. love people wherever they, wherever they are, in different settings. So whether it's in the finance world or whether it's in, uh, in the church, it's been a, you know, I've often, it's, it's, it's difficult, you know, just to be perfectly honest. Hmm. 
I've said to God on so many occasions, you, why do you call me to this twin track? It's like a railway line. <laughs> it's true. You it's know? true. Yeah. You know, I've got to do work and then I've got to do worship. Mm. Why can't I be like a worship leader? <laughs> they don't have any troubles. <laughs> play a few songs on a Sunday right. and write a few on Monday. Right. Can't I be a worship leader? Yeah. And as clear as I ever heard anything, mm. I sensed God saying to me, what you see as a dual track, I see as a monorail, Ooh. that the two come together. So there's a sense in which God pulls together the different strands mm. of our lives. And for me, the, uh, you know, when in the Paul writing to the Colossians says, in Christ Jesus, all things hold together, mm. I-, I believe that. So whether it's being a banker, whether it's praying for people to be filled with the Spirit, whether it's counselling people, coaching wow. people, whether it's sitting at tables with some names of people, <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's the same. I carry, the, hopefully, the presence of God wherever I go, and that's what I think all of us have, because the Spirit of God's alive. He's mm. with us. You've got to tell us about some of your time with Mandela. Can't think why. Have Please. You, have you heard? Has he reached America? <laughs> have you heard? <laughs> well, what's interesting is I've been able to be friends with uh, Dr. Bernice King, Martin Luther King's daughter, oh. for a long time. She has mentored me, challenged me, yeah. punched me a couple of times when I needed it. Yeah, that's quite um, often. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I've just, you know, I've been able to be around her and her family. And hear about the different things that Mandela did and what yeah. her father did. What, what was, what were those meetings like for you, man? What were y'all doing? So you, I have to go back in the back story. So Please. when I was, uh, when I was still at university, um, he was in Robben Island. He was locked up, mm. and that vicious regime was locking it. Mm. And the blacks and whites couldn't meet. They lived, we lived separately. But being young students, I used to sneak off to Winnie, uh, his wife, and yeah give us some money, some food. Wow, um, wow. Uh, for which we were trailed by the security police mm. um, all the time. Mm. So, that, you know, obviously you build this icon in your life. And um, I um, then became uh, a trustee of the Mandela Children's Fund in the UK mm. uh, because I wanted to do something to be, just to carry on that legacy. That's right. Now, he was quite the most remarkable man. And I remember on one occasion, uh, it'll never, never leave me, uh, we were sitting together, mm. and you, you know when you meet somebody really important, like meeting you. <laughs> no, don't do this. Don't do this. To me. When you're meeting someone really important, you kind of lose the words. You, you know, you 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 sort of goof it up. Right. You, 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 what do I say? Right. So I rather stupidly said to him, Madiba, which is his cousin. Yes, Madiba, Madiba. name of respect. I said to him. Madiba, uh, what, what, what advice could you give a, a, a person like me? <laughs> I mean, how more stupid can you get? And he looked at me and he took my hand and he said, mm-hmm. uh, Ken, I'll try the accent. Mm-hmm. He said, Ken, it is uh, very easy to make for disagreement. Mm. It is very difficult to make for peace. Mm. You can... You must make for peace. Mm. You know. Oh my God. So, uh, and then he signed the Long Walk to Freedom, and I've got a photograph of that, which is very tra- treasured. And I mean, the thing about Mandela <laughs> is that I absolutely believe, and have good reason to believe, that you know he had a faith that was alive. Hmm. But 
he recognised that the overall task that he had in a divided society was not in any way to accentuate those divisions. Mm. And I think that it was acquired, but honestly held faith. And I've listened to some of the things that the people in Robben Island were telling me. Mm. Some of the people that were with him were my friends. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that really struck out, there was one day they were, they were there, and you know they forced them to break rocks day in, day out. And there was a young activist who'd just been thrown in and locked down. And um, one of the warders in the police, uh, in, the, in, the, in the prison, said to him, you know, really insulted him and pushed him around. Hmm. And he turned to Mandela and he said to him, when we get out of here, hmm. I'm going to sort that man out. And Mandela turned to him later and said to him, I heard what you said. You must never let that bitterness be in your heart. Mm. Because if it is, when we come out of here, and we will come out of here, mm. we will be no better than them. And then you know the famous quote of keeping bitterness, which is, yeah. you, you know, you drink, yeah. uh, you drink the poison and hope the other person dies. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, he's a great, great man. Um, and uh, he left a great legacy in South Africa. And South Africa is continuing to carry on with real sort of struggles, yes, but the word of God is alive in that country. People are coming to faith, and uh, it's an invigorating place to be. Wow. Ken, I could just talk to you all day. I could um, talk to you all day. Unfortunately, <laughs> I can't ask you the question. <laughs> well, if, if I were to shift gears a little bit, sure. I just, you know, sure. as I was praying about this interview, because yeah. we try to pray about who we have on, and okay. I said, God, what, what are some things that you want. One of the things he started talking to me about, it's going to be a little weird, sure. but I feel like it'll resonate with okay. you, was an understanding yeah. of the global economy, yeah. how it works, because I think we've got an audience of, of leaders and people that want to be leaders. And so you have a unique perspective in that, one, you understand how it works, which most people don't. Mm -hmm. And then you understand why it's important for us to know and how it connects to our faith and the mission of the kingdom and all of that. If you would, could you give us just a 101 course, just for a couple seconds? What, uh, you know, that horrible question, what is the global economy? How does it work and how does it relate to our faith? <laughs> I mean, only you, Sam, could ask me a, the question of that kind. I mean, don't know how you answer the depths of, 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 of economics. Um, um, it, 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 the, the first thing we have to realise is we are in a globalised world. Mm. I know that there are real pressures to become more local, more insular throughout the world. And I'm not convinced that's a good thing. Mm. And I do think that the first of all the first... Uh, signs of this new world that we're living in mm. was the fact that the gospel spread across borders. Now, the most fluid form of, 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 of movement across borders is capital. Hmm. And capital can move in and around the world. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> I can't hold it. Oh, yeah, this is, well, <laughs> is, this, is this too complicated? Oh, it's incredible. I'm just so bye -bye. capital moves across the world. And the problem about it is, is that very often the sh capital is very short term. Hmm. And governments are trying to create more capital 
uh, and uh, and you know the U.S. had to lead us out of this terrible financial crisis that we had. Had to print more money, hmm. but in but one of the consequences of the printing of money all over the world meant that those that had assets were growing in more and more in the assets, hmm. and those that were on normal working uh, salaries actually were not keeping up. So for the last seven years, hmm. there has been very little movement in the, in the salaries and the take-home pay of a majority of the people in the Western world mm. who are doing normal jobs, you know, ordinary school teachers, ordinary people working, uh, you know, in their, in their day-to-day lives in shops and, you know, checkout counters, whatever. And the inequality that this produces is a serious question that has to be addressed worldwide. Mm. So I don't want to give you an economics lesson, but what I, I do want to it, say is that as, 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 as we've seen this assets, your house, your car, not your car, but your, your house, your stocks, your share, going up like that, it hasn't been shared equally. Mm. That is the big issue for the global economy. And it's not an answer to say, well, we're just going to put our arms around each country because we're interdependent on each other. Mm. We see television, we, we see aspirations um, and capital flows to the places where it can produce good returns. Mm. But you've got to, in all these things, I have a simple mantra for anybody in this economy. Mm. You want to do well, that's given by God, but also to do good. Mm. Is that it's great. 101 or is it one and a half? <laughs> that was a, this is a little bit of a half. Listen, as we round third base, mm. um, where's that? Where's third base? A baseball. Sorry, it's a baseball. baseball. What's reference. that again? <laughs> I want to talk about God at Work. I yeah. don't know if this, if you'd say that this was your most successful book, but it is one that's been incredible and it's taken it's shaken uh, the world over on the um, in the uh, Western Hemisphere um, in the United States. What does this mean? God at Work. Live each day with purpose. First of all, if you don't have it, I want you to go get it right now. It's helping to balance how we do this thing. What does this mean? Well. For many Christians, yeah. um, live in a completely schizoid world. I mean, they go to church on Sundays and say their prayers like good people, and on Monday, God is left at the door. Yeah, <laughs> to be reunited. Yeah, you know, so I can be tough, competitive, hard, um, knocking sharp elbows Monday to Friday, and then on. Saturday and Sunday, I'm the father, I look after the children, I <laughs> buy flowers for my wife, yeah. I'm a different person. Well, you divide yourself like that. God never intended that that should be the case. Hmm. Uh, and Jesus himself said, you know, that I am, you know, I continue to work, you know, I do the Father's work and I will continue until its end. Hmm. So I, it seems to me that the whole suggestion that the workplace is some odd place rather than the place in which we are fulfilling God's calling in our lives. Mm. And to avoid that confusion that there's something that, you know, there is a big divide, so I can live in two, you know, what happens when these two worlds collide? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm just going to go mad. And there's a crisis at the moment, and the biggest crisis of our time is for a young generation who are living, and many of you watching will know that, Mm. in between broadband which is so amazing and gives us everything we want for our devices and our smarts and burnout. And mm. if you 
on that spectrum, you have to understand that unless God walks with you in your workplace, well, what kind of God is that? Well, the economics of God, mm -hmm. 101, <laughs> the economics of God, yes. why on earth would I have created somebody if the only time I want them to look to come to be with me is an hour on a Sunday if you're an Anglican and three hours if you're a Pentecostal. Mm. I mean, three he, hours. What he wants you to do is to yes. work every day with purpose. Yeah. That means for most people, it's in a workplace which is tough, which is hard. I mean, harsh commercial compromises have to be made. And often people say, oh, well, you know, it's a good boat from which to fish. Like that, I can see people converted. Well, I'm not being paid to be a pastor. Hmm. I'm being paid to do a job as a lawyer, as a dentist, as a person selling cars. Or well, th that's that's my job. Mm -hmm. Now we must always make a good defence of the faith that we have, obviously, but also this workplace is where the rubber hits the road. Mm. Be tough at work, sure but you also have to be compassionate. So I believe that there is, for everyone, a calling into the workplace that comes from God, not just because you've got a degree from a university. What's next for Ken Costa? Because, I mean, you've done so much. I know I was spending some time with Israel offline, and we were talking about the next 10 years of your life. Yeah. And that this, these next 10, you're... I mean, you've said are going to be extremely critical. I mean, you've already done some things. I don't know what else you could do. But what's next for Ken Costa? As, as, as we get your messaging out to our audience and, you know, what's, what should we be looking out for? Well, that's a, that is quite a question. <laughs> um, so uh, this year, um, it will be three score years and ten. Uh, <laughs> so it'll be a big birthday, so a big party. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously. Yeah. But for me and for my wife, uh, who's absolutely amazing, and I couldn't do any of this without my wife and a, and a wonderful family that helps me in this. For me, the, the next 10 years is totally uncertain. Mm. Uh, this is a moment where yeah. we've literally sold a house, uh, we're renting a house, um, and we're waiting to hear and to see what God has in store. Now, mm. I think that... There are phases in life. There are stages in our life. And quite often people misunderstand. They think everything is constantly doing this. It isn't. Hmm. There are times when God holds us back. There's times when he pushes us. And there's times when we're running and he said, I told you to walk. <laughs> Which is not easy for me. <laughs> I get it. So for, for, for me, the next 10 years hold this. Firstly, a closer hearing from God. Hmm. A, a closer walk with him. Hmm. I don't need to prove anything else at work or in books or speaking, which people are kind enough to, to ask me to do. Yes, yes. An investment in the next generation. So when you say to me, Ken, what's your core story? Hmm. My core story now, now, because core stories change, mm. it's a story. It's not a line. You know, it's, not a, it's not a paragraph. It's not a oh chapter. Gosh. It's a story. Where's the organ when you need it, kid? Good Lord. Go on, play it. <laughs> it's a story, and for me, and they change, you know. That's what the excitement is of stories. I'm hugely excited mm. by the next 10 years. God gives us those 10 years. It will be to invest in this next generation mm. to enable them to see that actually this millennial generation that's coming up is a prophetic generation. Mm. 
it is leading the church. I know this doesn't sound what I'm not a pastor, so I don't have to say. <laughs> well, you kind of are. Let's just be honest. <laughs> so, it is leading the church. Mm. It is setting an agenda, concern for justice, trafficking, the environment, mm. um, uh, the sharing. You know, it's a generation that okay. A lot of people say, "Oh, they're a bunch of you know." 20 and early 30-year-olds, they're feckless, they want to eat avocados, and the greatest <laughs> crisis is when your battery runs out. Or oh, your phone. Your phone's <laughs> See, but, but actually, it is, it is a generation that is longing to be led, searching for the living God. Mm. And we need to articulate that in a language that they can understand and see a generation come back to faith rather than just saying, oh, well, the statistics are that the millennials don't want to go to church anymore. Huh. Well, in some cases, I don't blame them. <laughs> <laughs> but we need to get in there, and that's what I want to spend my time, training, equipping the leaders, um, gathering the people you know, to, to understand that this is a gospel that changes a life. Huh. So that's... <laughs> next so it's next. And if there's an odd banking deal to do, I'll do it. I guess I'll do it. Well, man, this has just been incredible. Um, as we close, what what most people don't know is that you have an extreme gifting for uh, sensing the spirit. Some would call it a prophetic gift. Um, as we close, could you pray? For those that are listening, those that are watching, that are in search for a word from God. They, as, as you spoke about, you know, sometimes God pushes us and he pulls us and he, you know, he slows us down. They, they don't know where they are. They're going, God, what are, you, what are you doing right now? Folks, even in finance, I think, that are listening yeah, and pastors that are trying to figure out what to do yeah. with their flocks. And folks, just, you know, millennials coming up that are going, I, I, I am desperate to be led and, yeah. Would you speak into that and pray for us and we'll be done? Well, you've been very kind to take some time. Let me just mention one thing that is of fundamental importance to any and to, to all of us. Mm. And that's what I try to capture in Strange Kingdom. Mm. Strange Kingdom is a meditation on the cross because it comes from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the, the person martyred by the Nazis, who said that a king who dies on a cross must be the king of a very strange kingdom. Mm. I say that because if you ever want to know the ways of God, it's foolishness. It, it, the, the cross, Paul tells us, is it's foolishness to, mm. to the Greeks, but to those who believe it is the power of God for whole living. Mm salvation if you want and therefore if you ever want to hear God you have to look to Jesus and if you ever want to hear Jesus you need to know the cross mm. and come to the cross with the humility that allows him to be the one who would speak because you've got to go from receive mode transmit mode should I say mm. to receive mode mm. And when we pray, we're in transmit mode. Mm. I want this, I want this, please help me today. But we forget that there is also receive mode. Mm. So what I'd like to do when I pray is just to switch you into receive mode mm. so that we might receive all the goodness of God Hallelujah. for our lives. He loves you, he knows you, mm. and he's called you. So do I need to keep my eyes closed? You don't have to, but I'm, I'm going to close mine. <laughs> 
Father, I thank you for this opportunity to talk through with Sam and thank yes, you Jesus. so much for what he is doing in your kingdom. And thank you for all those who are listening. I pray that there might have been a word in season for each person and that you'll speak clearly, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I remember the verse that you used, the words you used, Jesus. You call me teacher and Lord. Huh. And you're right, for so I am. Huh. So I want to pray, Lord, that you will come to each person listening with all the gentleness of a teacher, huh. coaching, encouraging, building up, but also speak with all the firmness of a commander huh. so that between the coaching and the commanding, we get to see this direction for our lives. We hear your words. We know that we want to obey you, but we also ask you to speak clearly. So I pray for each person listening yes, Jesus. that we would hear your voice clearly and be courageous to walk in that light. And we thank you so much that we can know our why. Others try to find their why. But to those of you who know your why, help others find theirs. Mm. And to those who don't know your why, there's a loving God who will show you because he loves you, he knows you, and he's called you. Mm. Amen. Wow. Listen, thanks so much for tuning in to A Greater Story with Sam Collier and the incredible Ken Costa. Make sure you go get his new book. Go get all his books, Strange Kingdom. Know your why, God at work, and be encouraged and know that God is with you. Remember this, when your story connects to God's story, it leads to a greater story. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Ken. Thanks, <laughs> I'm no longer a slave to fear. Oh, I am a child of God. Oh, I'm no longer.
You've been listening to A Greater Story with your host, Sam Collier. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or any other podcast directory. If you like what you hear, leave a five-star review. A Greater Story with your host, Sam Collier. Distributed by American Urban Radio Networks.